0: Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chelsea and Amber. Amber. Amber's been on the podcast before. Yes, I have. Welcome uh, back. Welcome back. Glad to I've been have here you. too. It's good to be here. Huh? I've been here too. Yeah, also, Chelsea's Chelsea. been here. I don't know if you guys have noticed. Um, yeah, uh, today we're reading through Daniel, a little bit of Ezra, a little bit of Haggai. Yep. So, what stuck out to you guys while we were reading through it?
0: Uh, lots of prophecies, and also, the people actually listen to Haggai, and spoiler alert, they get blessed for it. Amazing. <laughs> wow. Thank goodness. Once in a while, <laughs> the message hits them. Um, but so the people are returning to Jerusalem. They start building the temple. And then before they're done building the temple, they lay the foundations. Remember how they all cried and wept and everything? Yeah. yeah. Then they started building luxurious homes for themselves <laughs> and didn't finish the temple. <laughs> and God was like, hey, don't <laughs> do that, please. Um, but he gives this message to Haggai and says, uh, tell the people that they're not doing the right thing. And the people listen because they have a leader like Zerubbabel hey. and Jeshua, who actually lead the people well. And um, they repent, they obey, and the Lord blesses them. Imagine that.
1: <laughs> it is shocking to me how, like, like we've been reading through these long narratives of, like, obey me, obey me, obey me. And they're, like, consistently like, no, we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting to me, like, how quickly it's like, obey me. Okay. Done. <laughs> The story's over like <laughs> exactly. you, you, you i don't know like it just feels like as long as these narratives go that you would expect god to be like well but also this but also that. but god's always just like all right cool that's what i asked thank you
0: <laughs> um amber did anything stick out to you in our reading yeah actually when you were talking
2: about the people building um kind of themselves up. They're mm-hmm. building their own houses and things mm-hmm. while the temple is just sitting there waiting to be built. <laughs> I think that there is a bit of a parallel there to Daniel like for 3 weeks just stopping all of these things at the very very beginning. Oh. Um he just like stops with like rich fruit foods and um no wine or meat crossed my lips. It's just I, I just feel like it's the same thing. He chose to stop uh building himself up and chose to just like focus on God and pray and fast and these things. And it was like this obedience that gave him this vision and these prophecies really.
0: Yeah. So Daniel has this vision. That's a really interesting point that you made that like, yeah, that parallel that the people enjoyed luxurious things. And Daniel spent a time in mourning because he had this strange vision. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's a really great it's really great insight. Um, and so, actually, in Daniel, I don't know much about this passage. There's a lot of kings. There's a lot of things happening. I think Cleopatra's involved somehow. Nice, <laughs> but I can't wrap my mind around it. <laughs> um, but Daniel is mourning for three weeks, and then he sees um, possibly a Christophany type thing oh boy. or an angel. We, it don't it we don't know. We don't know. Um Doesn't say, but uh, this person is saying, hey, I've been like, actually, when you prayed, I tried to come to get to you, but there was like some kind of spiritual warfare. So Daniel's in mourning for three weeks for 21 days. Um, this man, the person who looks like a man has been trying to get to Daniel. So in that period of mourning, there was spiritual warfare going on.
1: Uh, I'd love to like, so Daniel's fasting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's up with that? <laughs>
0: you mean why
1: (laughs) what's up with that some of
0: my favorite favorite things on this podcast is when ryan sings (laughs) it's
2: from snl it doesn't make it into the podcast that
0: often i must say (laughs) it doesn't but it's one of my favorite things um are you actually asking why (laughs)
1: yeah yeah i mean so i remember not i mean i don't we record these on Mondays and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. It's uh, secret knowledge. Oh, <laughs>
0: man. Don't <everybody> <laughs> tell everyone.
1: <laughs> I can't remember when it was that we talked about religious practice, but it wasn't that long mm-hmm. ago. A couple
0: of days, yeah.
1: Um, but we have a situation. Actually, it was Daniel that we were talking about mm-hmm. that uh, Daniel took his religiosity so seriously.
0: Oh, yeah, the
2: lion's He literally got mm-hmm. thrown in the
1: lion's yeah. den for it. Like yeah. He he got thrown in the lion's den for being faithful to God, but ultimately it was over just prayer. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, here we have him practicing another spiritual discipline fasting Mm -hmm. I don't know all of you listening but my guess is you probably haven't been fasting
0: (laughs) (laughs) listen I can't eat food past 8 p.m. at this point or I get serious heartburn also definitely I I
1: I also have not been fasting I fast from from 8 p.m. to 8
2: a.m. this bar is too high (laughs) all the time
1: (laughs) Uh. no I it's it is a thing that seems historically lost on us but it's interesting that this angel or Christophany or whatever Mm -hmm. couldn't get to Daniel until that took place is that right
0: in in the midst of this, he's yeah he's mourning and fasting and he's trying to get to Daniel like to deliver this message to him.
1: Um, and uh, Jesus later on, we'll talk about um, certain. Uh, oh man, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, certain things that are only possible through prayer and fasting. So it's interesting that as the modern church we care about fasting less. Yeah. Um. And and we we probably should care about it. Um. It is a spiritual discipline. It is something that we should know a little bit about. And it is something that we should be a little bit more willing to practice, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to note, I think, that usually what gets our attention is like, oh, he said he didn't have any meat or wine. Um, but it's not necessarily like what you give up. It's that you're giving up things to replace those things with like yes. worship and attentive attentiveness to God.
0: Yes. yeah, that's
1: uh, true. So, so we see Daniel doing that.
0: Yeah. So this person, um, whoever he is, the person who looks like a man, is trying to get to Daniel – Michael, the archangel, steps in and talks to the spirit prince of Persia. I don't know what a spirit prince is, but I'm very intrigued by it. Also, I'm intrigued by Michael, the character of Michael in general. um, Because we haven't... I feel like we haven't heard much about him. Is that true? Yeah, you don't hear a lot about Michael. Until we get to this point in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, But then... But we know he's present because in Jude, it talks about Michael fighting with Satan over the body of Moses. Um, It's like crazy things that are happening spiritually that we have no idea. Like we have no idea what's happening.
1: <laughs> so I think um, it's possible that we have not studied this enough to be able to say with certainty what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> 100%.
0: I hope nobody thinks that we actually know what we're talking about in this podcast.
1: <laughs> but Let me
0: tell you exactly uh, <laughs> who each princess
1: <laughs> I think it's, it's important to call out because something is very present in this passage is that we exist, and this is still true today, we exist in uh, different realms at the same time. So we are in a physical realm. That's how we experience our lives. At the same time, simultaneously, there is a spirit realm around us at all times. And like,
0: I actually don't think about that often enough. Right. Like, today is the first time I thought about that in a very long time.
1: (laughs) So another interesting thing is that as servants of God, as followers of Jesus, we actually have a unique standing in both of those realms. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's easy to look at us as like, okay, cool. Like we're important as followers of Jesus in the world around us. We're also very important as followers of Jesus in the spirit realm, uh, because of things like prayer and fasting and, and seeking, um, seeking God over these spiritual situations. And here in Daniel, we see this play out pretty, um, in, like in a really real way. Hopefully mm-hmm. you can edit out that long pause where I don't know what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> nope. Stay in. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I just also want to say before we wrap this up that like the, this prophetic passage in Daniel is pretty hard to interpret as far as like some people have an interpretation of this is like the end times because it does say the end of time. <laughs> so that leads to confusion. <laughs> but if you read this passage very carefully, like we've tried been trying to do throughout this whole journey, um, these things actually have happened. There was a mighty King from Greece, Alexander the great who was like cut down, very short in his time. Um, he was very young when he died. And there, there were alliances between kings of the south and kings of the north. And that's where Cleopatra comes in, I think. Um, but these things have happened. And so, again, it means something for the readers of this time. Like... Whoever would have read, I think and the Maccabees are in here at some point, I think, too. Whoever would have read these things from Daniel would have been encouraged because it was actually in their time that it was happening. Um, and there are also ways to interpret it as, like, the Antichrist and what's so
1: to come. So this is one of those things where I, I just love to remind people this can't mean for you what it didn't mean for them. Right. So we can't look at this chapter in Daniel and make it something about something in our date and time, because it actually has been fulfilled and you can, you can get into double fulfillment of prophecy, which Chris alluded to. Right. Um, but
0: yeah. So yeah. I just, yeah, just reading the Bible carefully and actually it's, I mean, it kind of just says it here. So kind of like looking at history and the Bible and seeing, Oh my goodness, actually proves itself, which is kind of cool. Okay anything else <laughs> um, <laughs> covered all sorts of things
2: one more thing yes uh, <laughs> the like holiness of god so daniel's just like he just like sees god and he's like can't move yeah and he's pale and it's yeah it's interesting to see that in a very real version
0: yeah of- he encounters the glory of god yeah. again and he kind of like ezekiel does too um what <laughs> Ryan happened- just made a face of me <laughs>
1: I just taught about uh, Peter on the Sea of Galilee, like being called to Jesus. Uh Same thing happened to him. Mm -hmm. Um, They had like this miraculous catch of fish and Jesus, or sorry, Peter fell on his face like immediately. Mm -hmm. And was like, I'm a sinful man. Mm. Like, it's very interesting. It's like when we have this, when we have characters in the Bible that have a face-to-face interaction with God, which Mm -hmm. is what was happening to Peter, Mm -hmm. um, they quickly understand their unworthiness.
0: Yeah. And the response to Daniel... And his recognition of his unworthiness, um, in response to that, this man says, hey, you're very precious to God. Mm. Like, be encouraged. It's,
1: it's the same thing. not Je- awesome? W- uh, <laughs> Jesus and Peter on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus looks at Peter on his face, like, "Like, get away from me. I'm sinful. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, oh, don't be afraid. I'm changing your job. You're a fisherman now. No, it's, it's, Career change. <laughs> it's, it's very revealing of the character of God, because when these people are so acutely aware of their sinful nature... God oftentimes replies with, hey, don't be afraid. Like, get up. Yeah. Like, you're precious to me. You're important yeah. to me. You have worth. You have value. Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's always worth and value that's connected to the nature of
0: God. Okay. That's very good. Daniel 10, beginning in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank at the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me, and my face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, and still trembling to my hands and knees, and the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God, so listen carefully to what I have to say. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said to me, "'Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for twenty-one days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia.' Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was still speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen, my Lord, and I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. As he spoke these words, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, Please speak to me, my lord, for you have strengthened me. He replied, Do you know why I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, and after that the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. I have been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen him since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. Now then, I will reveal the truth to you. Three more Persian kings will reign, to be succeeded by a fourth, far richer than the others. He will use his wealth to stir up everyone to fight against the kingdom of Greece. Then a mighty king will rise to power, who will rule with great authority and accomplish everything he sets out to do. But at the height of his power, his kingdom will be broken apart and divided into four parts. It will not be ruled by the king's descendants, nor will the kingdom hold the authority it once had, for his empire will be uprooted and given to others. The king of the south will increase in power, but one of his own officials will become more powerful than he, and will rule his kingdom with a great strength. Some years later, an alliance will form between the king of the north and the king of the south. The daughter of the king of the south will be given in marriage to the king of the north to secure the alliance, but she will lose her influence over him, and so will her, her father. She will be abandoned along with her influence and supporters, but one of her relatives becomes king of the south, and he will write raise an army, and enter the fortress of the king of the north and defeat him. When he returns to Egypt, he will carry back their idols with him, along with the priceless articles of gold and silver. For some years afterward, he will leave the king of the north alone. Later, the king of the north will invade the realm of the king of the south, but will soon return to his own land. However, the sons of the king of the north will assemble a mighty army that will advance like a flood and carry the battle as far as the enemy fortresses. Then, in a rage, the king of the south will rally against the vast forces assembled by the king of the north and will defeat them. After the enemy army is swept away, the king of the south will be filled with pride and will execute many thousands of his enemies, but his success will be short-lived. A few years later, the king of the north will return with a fully equipped army far greater than before. At that time, there will be a general uprising against the king of the south. Violent men among your own people will join them in fulfilling this vision, but they will not succeed. Then the king of the north will come and lay siege to a fortified city and capture it. The best troops of the south will not be able to stand in the face of the onslaught. The king of the north will march onward, unopposed. None will be able to stop him. He will pause in the glorious land of Israel, intent on destroying it. He will make plans to come with the might of his entire kingdom and will form an alliance with the king of the south. He will give him a daughter in marriage in order to overthrow the kingdom from within, but his plan will fail. After this, he will turn his attention to the coastland and conquer many cities, but a commander from another land will put an end to his insolence and cause him to retreat in shame. He will take refuge in his own fortresses, but will stumble and fall and be seen no more. His successor will send out tax collectors to maintain the royal splendor, but after a very brief reign, he will die, though not from anger or in battle. The next to come to power will be a despicable man who is not in line for royal succession. He will slip in when least expected and take over the kingdom by flattery and intrigue. Before him, great armies will be swept away, including a covenant prince. With deceitful promises, he will make various alliances. He will become strong, despite having only a handful of followers. Without warning, he will become strong, and will enter the richest areas of the land. Then he will distribute among his followers the plunder and wealth of the rich, something his predecessors have never done. He will plot the overthrow of strongholds, but this will last only for a short while. Then he will stir up his courage and raise a great army against the king of the south. The king of the south will go to battle with a mighty army but to no avail, for there will be plots against him. His own household will cause his downfall. His army will be swept away and many will be killed. Seeking nothing but each other's harm, these kings will plot against each other at the conference table, attempting to deceive each other, but it will make no difference, for the end will come at the appointed time. The king of the north will return home with great riches. On the way, he will set himself against the people of the Holy Covenant, doing much damage before continuing his journey. Then at the appointed time, he will once again invade the south, but this time the result will be different. For warships from western coastlands will scare him off, and he will withdraw and return home. He will vent his anger against the people of the Holy Covenant and reward those who forsake the covenant. His army will take over the temple fortress, pollute the sanctuary, put a stop to the daily sacrifices, and set up the sacrilegious objects that cause desecration. He will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will be strong and resist him. Wise leaders will give instruction to many, but these teachers will die by the fire and sword, or they'll be jailed and robbed. During these persecutions, little help will arrive, and many who join them will not be sincere, and some of the wise will fall victim to persecution. In this way, they'll be refined and cleansed and made pure until the time of the end, for the appointed time is still to come. The king will do as he pleases, exalting himself and claiming to be greater than every other god, even blaspheming the god of gods. He will succeed, but only until the time of wrath is completed, for what has been determined will surely take place. He will have no respect for the gods of his ancestors, or for the god loved by women, or for any other god, for he will boast that he is greater than them all. Instead of these, he will worship the god of fortresses, a god his ancestors never knew, and lavish on him gold, silver, precious stones, and expensive gifts. Claiming this foreign god's help, he will attack the strongest fortresses. He will honor those who submit to him, appointing them to positions of authority and dividing the land among them as their reward. Then at the time of the end, the king of the south will attack the king of the north, and the king of the north will storm out with chariots, charioteers, and a vast navy, He will invade various lands and sweep through them like a flood. He will enter the glorious land of Israel, and many nations will fall. But Moab, Edom, and even the best part of Ammon will escape. He will conquer many countries, and even Egypt will not escape. He will gain control over the gold, silver, and treasures of Egypt, and the Libyans and Ethiopians will be his servants. But then news from the east and the north will alarm him, and he will set out in great anger to destroy and obliterate many. He will stop between the glorious holy mountain and the sea and will pitch his royal tents. But while he is there, his time will suddenly run out and no one will help him. At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up. Some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and saw two others standing on the opposite banks of the river. One of them asked the man dressed in linen who was now standing above the river, How long will it be until these shocking events are over? The man dressed in linen, who was standing above the river, raised both his hands toward heaven and took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying, It will go on for a time, times, and a time of a half. When the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, all these things will have happened. I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. So I asked, How will all this finally end, my lord? But he said, go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials, but the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. From the time of the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. Ezra 4, beginning in verse 24. So the work of the temple of God in Jerusalem had stopped, and it remained at the standstill until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. And at that time, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Edo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem. They prophesied in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Haggai 1, beginning in verse 1. On August 29th of the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord gave a message to the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai, Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but the harvest is little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you're putting them in pockets with holes. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord." You hoped for rich harvests, but they are poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses, it's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shetel, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shetel, and governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of Heaven's armies, on September 21st of the second year of King Darius' reign.
1: Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM or you could actually email us at podcastworshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want,